The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Reverend Galen McDowell, and I am the executive minister, senior assistant minister, and the director of the Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple. So today, I know I've been away for several weeks, and I want to make sure that I give you some good information so you can do what you need to do to get the results you're desiring in your life. In the midst of this series that I'm currently teaching, which is Setting a Trap for God, the ancient Aramaic prayer of Jesus, I'm going through the process of the Lord's Prayer from the ancient Aramaic language, and hopefully you're getting some insight from this material. I also want to let you know that in the midst of this series, I probably will be putting in a few interviews here and there because I've had some great conversations with some different people that are doing great work in the world. And I want to make sure that they have the opportunity to let more people know about it. And for you, my listeners, you have the opportunity to benefit from the work. So we're going to be doing a lot of good stuff. So hopefully you'll be in tune and vibe with it and rock and roll and get those demonstrations that you desire in your life. So let's get to it. So again, um, I've already done three episodes on this book, Setting a Trap for God by Dr. Rocco Errico, who is, in my opinion, the top Aramaic Bible scholar in the world. I think he's unparalleled. As far as I'm concerned, he's the man. As you all know, he's been on this show several times. If you go back to the archives, I think I've interviewed him three times already. And including the first year of this podcast, I did something on his seven, let that be light, the seven keys to understanding the Bible, which if you haven't heard, I'm going to recommend you go all the way back to the year one, October 2012, one of the episodes in October 2012, and listen to that episode specifically. I think it will give you great insight into what I'm seeking to cover with this material and help you understand the Bible better. I think it's some of the best work he's done. Matter of fact, he liked it so much that uh, he's, when the podcast was over, I remember him saying to me, send me that information because I think that was one of the best ways I've explained the seven keys. So give yourself the benefit of listening to that particular podcast. Now, Today, we're on chapter four. Chapter four is called Heavenly Counsel. And again, this book breaks down the Lord's Prayer. And at this point, we're covering uh, the phrase, let your kingdom come, or as we say in the old King James, thy kingdom come. And, and of course, he has the Aramaic words for these for this phrase that I'm not going to try to 
pronounce. I do know one of the words. I do know that Malkutha is kingdom in Aramaic because I've heard him say it so many times. You know, he's a friend and I've heard him speak at Christ Universal Temple and I've bought the tapes and I've done all the other stuff. I've heard him speak at Panorama of Truth Conferences for the Universal Foundation for Better Living. I've seen him speak at the International New Thought Alliance Congress. You know, I'm a fan. Therefore, I've heard him say that word too many times. All right. So he wrote uh, this word, and he says, means let let your kingdom come. Jesus, in his heart and mind, had transcended racial, religious, and nationalistic boundaries. He foresaw, foresaw a world in which God's rule as a parental presence reigned in the hearts and souls of men, women, and children everywhere. However, most of his people were looking for an earthly partisan kingdom. They were eagerly yearning for and expecting the long overdue restoration of the, the of the Davidic kingdom. Let me stop there. That means kings that were uh related to King David, David of the David and Goliath stories, who was the king, and then his children were kings after him, his his descendants. Back to the book. They wanted the Romans defeated, Herod dethroned, and the rule of Israel established again. The prayers of the people were constantly directed to this end and for this type of kingdom. The dreams, visions, and hopes of apocalyptic authors and believers in the God of Israel were seeing the end of their present age. They believed that God's wrath was coming in, could foresee the collapse of their present world order. Let me stop there again. It was a lot of material right before Jesus's uh, birth and right around his era, where it was a lot of fever still with that concept of the smackdown God is going to, you know, come and destroy the enemies and all of these type of things. And then Jesus showed up with a different type of mindset, according to Dr. Rocco Erico. And this statement that I'm about to make is controversial among scholarship. He wrote, Jesus's vision was not apocalyptic. Now, there are some scholars who would debate that forever. I'm not about to debate the subject. I'm just letting you know that that's a controversial statement. But let's hear Dr. Erico's argument. Jesus's vision was not apocalyptic. He shifted the emphasis away from the usual manner of praying for God's coming as a king. He taught his disciples to pray for God's kingdom and not for the Davidic political kingdom. The prayer is for a genuinely spiritual social kingdom, a reality that rules from the inside of hearts and minds of all human beings, a a kingdom where God rules or counsels. Of course, this heavenly leadership would eventually affect and change the politics of the land. However, this kingdom was not a political materialistic kingdom that would be imposed upon humanity from without. He knew that human rule alone without God's leadership as father would be would bring strife and division. Jesus knew that God's kingdom embraces all nations and people impartially. God in God's rule, authentic justice prevails for all because one equal measure is extended to all nations and people. So let me just stop there for a moment. So what this is saying is people are looking for outward 
results. They want outward change without doing the inner work. I believe that Jesus was a master metaphysician, and he understood that the transformation of behavior can only begin with the transformation and the renewing of the mind. As the Apostle Paul wrote, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. If you want things to change, minds must change, hearts must change. Now, we use terms like mind and heart, but we're talking about consciousness. Until there's a shift in consciousness, until there's, a, until there's a shift in the content of your consciousness, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you believing? What's your ideology? What's your context? What paradigm are you living from? Nothing in the outer can permanently change, and it might not change at all for the better, because this is an inside job. If you want life to be different, you have to start from the inside out. That's why you can regulate behavior, but you can't change hearts. And it doesn't make a difference how good the information is, because I'm sure you've had times where you've shared information and wisdom and best practices with people, and they just couldn't accept it because their paradigm, their context, the content of their consciousness would not allow it until they were willing to be able to accept the possibility that life could be different. It was like talking to a wall. I'm sure you've experienced it. It could be nice people, it can be sweet people. It doesn't make a difference. Uh, give you the shirt off their back. But until they can see life differently, life can't show up for them differently. I want you to be present to that. That life can't show up differently. Often, People want to connect the power to change their lives to something outside of them. But this kingdom that Jesus is talking about is not coming through earthly means. It's coming through the realization of truth and consciousness. And we have to be able to make sure that we can discern the difference. That health, that peace, that joy, that prosperity, that well-being, that success, that love that you desire comes through the realization of your spiritual nature. It comes through the realization of the omnipresent good. It comes through the realization that God is the source of your supply. It comes through the realization that you are one with God and one with your good. This is how you make it work. So when you say, let your kingdom come, you're not trying to get to it. You're calling it forth into manifestation. People are trying to die to get to the kingdom. And Jesus is saying, call it forth. Call it forth into your experience. Call this kingdom of plenty and wholeness and joy, grace, love, and power into your own experience. Let your kingdom manifest. Let your kingdom demonstrate in my life. Let your kingdom show up in a powerful way in my experience. Because if your kingdom shows up in a powerful way, that means I will change for the better. Because there's no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. That's what Emmett Fox wrote. There's no such thing as undemonstrated understanding, or as I like to say it, 
You can't outperform your own consciousness. <clears throat> so as you work with this, it works with you. As you work with this, it works with you. So Dr. Erico goes on on page 48, where he breaks down the word Malkutha or kingdom. He said it arises, derives rather from the root verb, I'm going to say milk, the way it looks on here. It means to counsel, to advise. It is the same root for the words kingdom, advisor, and counselor. Thus, God's kingdom from a Semitic and semantic point of view also denotes God's sovereign counsel. Linguistically, the kingdom of God is a state in which God's guidance as father is carried out. Now, in New Thought Metaphysics, we say that the kingdom of God is your unlimited possibilities and your infinite potentialities. The kingdom of God within you is divine mind individualized in you, this realm of divine ideas, this Christ mind, this pure potentiality. So when you say that the kingdom of God is within me, for instance, you're saying that God's divine ideas, God's infinite potentialities, God's unlimited possibilities are within my being. I want you to be present. Now, the kingdom is coming, but the kingdom is already here. Why? Because God is omnipresent good. So good is here. These ideas of good are here. These ideas of wholeness, this life, love, wisdom, power, and substance are already here. The challenge comes into play is our level of awareness about it. Because spiritual wholeness is already present. But we can only see up to the level of our awareness. You can't outperform your own consciousness. And you can't see something really that's beyond your level of consciousness. You might say to yourself, oh, I can see it. But no. You might intellectually grasp it at a, at a, at a very minute level, in a very minute way. But to really grasp it in a way that where you have understanding, knowing, and realization so you can demonstrate it, that's a totally different conversation. It's a totally different conversation. But God's counsel, God's rule, God's power is present in you, through you, as you, around you, above you, beneath you, before you, behind you, interpenetrating you at all times. But as the prophet Elisha said to his uh, uh, servant, when they were surrounded by the enemies at the bottom of the mountain, and he said to his servant, who was obviously terrified, they're more with us than it is with than them. Then he prayed, Lord, open his eyes so he can see. And then he saw these vision of these chariots uh, with horses with fire breathing out of their noses, nostrils, because in noses, nostrils. And it's important to realize that this spiritual power was always there, but it takes somebody who knows how to navigate the spiritual to be able to see it. Because your five senses can't detect what I'm what I'm talking about. And your five senses can't detect what Elisha was talking about 
thousands of years ago. And the five senses can't detect what, what Jesus was talking about. And the five senses are not going to detect when you start talking about an inner wholeness, a spiritual reality, because there is you can't dissect your body and find a Christ within, a kingdom of God within, a potentiality within. So it's talking about something that transcends the physical. That's what metaphysical means, that which transcends the physical. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I want to remind you really quickly that, you know, this show used to be on Unity Online Radio, and now it's on mindbodyspirit.fm. And therefore, I need you all to help me get the message of this show out. Share it on Facebook. Share it on now. It used to be Twitter, now X. You know, text it to people, whatever. Anybody you think that could benefit from it. But I also need you to go to mindbodyspirit.fm and click on uh, my show. Save it in your phones or whatever you need to do. Click on it multiple times during the course of a week. So I can continue to take up the first page of Google when people look up Truth Transforms or Reverend Galen McDowell. The show used to be just Truth Transforms. Now it's Truth Transforms or Reverend Galen McDowell. Therefore, I need you all to be able to help me occupy that first page of Google when people either type in Truth Transforms, they type in Reverend Galen McDowell, whatever it might be. But, you know, I have 400 and. 50 plus episodes. I want to make sure that we get this information out to people. So with that, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with Truth Transform. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I want to go through a little bit more material when uh, on page 150 of this chapter. Again, I'm teaching Setting a Trap for God by Dr. Rocco Errico, and I would highly recommend you buy the book. Highly recommend. He wrote, The Kingdom, Present, or Future. He wrote, Jesus was a Galilean, Aramaic-speaking teacher and prophet. He was a Shemite, another way of saying Semite or a descendant of Shem. He was a Shemite, a spiritual and religious genius. He went throughout Galilee declaring the joyful message of God's kingdom, sovereign counsel. Mark and his gospel apprises us of the situation. He quotes Mark 11, excuse me, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 from the Aramaic translation. Jesus came to Gal Galilee proclaiming the joyful message of God's sovereign counsel saying, time has come to an end. God's sovereign counsel is present. Turn to God and have confidence in this joyful message. So Jesus is saying, it's time to turn your attention away from that which has been distracting you. Put your attention back on the wholeness of God within you. 
so you can demonstrate this truth. All right. So it's important that you recognize yet again that this power is available. Then on page 52, he talks about the unobservable kingdom. He wrote. Uh, first, he quoted Luke. Where he says in uh, chapter 17, verses 20 and 21 in the Aramaic. And when the Pharisees asked Jesus when God's sovereign counsel was coming, he replied and said to them, the sovereign counsel, meaning kingdom of God, cannot be recognized by sight. No one will be able to say, look here, look, here it is, or look, it is there. It, it is just the opposite. God's sovereign counsel is present among you. And I love that translation. I also know that there are some translations that say, behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Some will say, behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. I think regardless of within, um, among, or in the midst, it's saying it's present with you now, all right? It's present with you now. It's available to us now, all right? So uh, I want to jump over to the kingdom first. This is on page 56. He quotes, Matthew chapter 6, 33, which we normally translate, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. He translates it as, but first you, but first you search for the sovereign counsel of God and his justice and all these things shall abundantly be given to you. To search for God's kingdom first means to open our minds and hearts to God's guidance above all else. When we do this, then all of our needs, material and otherwise, flow to us and out from us. God's direction will always lead us into paths of blessings. It will enable us to solve our challenges, both individually and nationally, as we clearly perceive and act upon it. When we positively act on divine guidance, we need not feel any anxiety about our way, but we are seeking the best way for all. And all includes us too. Now, what is this saying? Can you put God's wholeness, God's will, God's love, God's grace first in your mind to seek, okay, why am I here to express the wholeness of God? Why am I here to express the love of God? Why am I here to express the abundance of God? Why am I here? to demonstrate or express God. Why am I here? Let me use a different word. I'm here to experience God. I am here to experience God as me. And I know that might, for some who might be new to this podcast, I'm known to say things that at times might rattle some people. But I want you just to consider the possibility that as the image and likeness of God, God experiences itself through the experience of you. That if God is omnipresence, then what else is there to really experience outside of our misperceptions, outside of our own self-created nonsense? We create the violence. We create the craziness. We create the ignorance. We create that as, as the human part of us. 
just as much as we create the love, happiness, joy, and harmony. But we know the more we get away from the love, joy, harmony, and divine order, and we descend in consciousness, we can create experiences that are inconsistent with the will of God that's absolute good for each one of us right here and right now. All we have to do is look around the world and see the turmoil. Sometimes we only have to look outside the window. Sometimes we don't have to leave home and we can see the effects of low consciousness. So this is why it's necessary to, as the Bible would say, Jesus used the term repent. In, in Greek, it means to change your mind. In Aramaic, it means to turn around, meaning to make an about face. Turn back, turn your mind around, turn it back, turn your attention around. Stop being mesmerized by the appearances and get back in your truth. Get back into the consciousness of the kingdom of God. Jesus used terminology that was consistent with his time. If a person was teaching that today, like me, I would just use the term the presence of God. I would That would be the term I would literally use for the kingdom of God. If I was teaching all of those different parables about the kingdom of God is this and the kingdom of God is that, that's what I would use. So I want you to... Uh, to do some homework. And the homework is this. I want you to look up the parables of Jesus. And the parables are primarily Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And even if the parables don't say kingdom, most of the time they're talking about the kingdom. I want you to look up all of them and read them at your convenience. Uh, sometimes you hear the term the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Most scholars believe, not most, all scholars I've ever read say that Jesus taught the term the kingdom of God. Matthew changed it to the kingdom of heaven. So it's saying that when you read the kingdom of heaven, you should be reading the kingdom of God. I want you to read those and pray for understanding. But I want everyone to start with Luke. I believe it's chapter 11. It's the story of the prodigal son. Because if you want to understand Jesus' teaching of the kingdom, even though he doesn't use that terminology in that parable, it will help you understand the mindset of kingdom of God thinking. I want you to look up that parable, read it first, read it multiple times, pray for understanding. And then we can, and then, you know, if you get some insights, Reach out to my Facebook page, Truth Transforms, with Reverend Galen McDowell, and, and send me a, a message and let me know what you got out of it. I would greatly appreciate it. Let me know. So uh, we're going to stop here. Next week, we'll cover uh, Chapter 5, which is on will, wish, and desire, which is let your will uh, be as in heaven. So on earth, we will say, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We'll deal with that concept as well. So God bless you, and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Take care.
I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.